everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime, cult, conspiracy, and cryptic podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. Happy birthday to us. Oh, is it? Midwest Madness. Yeah. Um, this is birthday week. Episode. Oh, okay. It's not actual birthday birthday. Actual birthday is the 16th. This will come out on the 4th. Four, sorry. 14th. <laughs> it's like, nope, that's not right. It'll come out on the 14th. But, um, also, congratulations, Allie and John. Yeah. Your wedding is this weekend, and we're very excited. Yeah, I was going to just say a little housekeeping here at the top of the episode. We don't know if we'll be able to put an episode out next week, so that would be, like, the week of the 20th, like, 21st, 22nd? 21st. 20th. 20th. Um... Or, well, the episode would post on the 21st. Yeah. So, uh, we just don't know if we're going to have the time to record. Right. Um, as, as I just yeah, said. We have our sister's wedding this weekend. Yep. So, it's just really... Honestly, it's not at the top of our priority list. No. I would say, like, literally everything else is first. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I think we're just... Play it by ear. If yeah. we have time and can can get episodes written and get one out, then we will. If not, we'll just it'll be a one week break and then we'll be back like normal. Yep. Um. So just wanted to get when that. When we come back, do you still want to go and we'll just end up switching weeks, or do you want me to go and you just we'll just skip you? Or just I both go and we s- just switch weeks. Okay. Because it's not like we have. I mean, I'm not. I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I just threw you off with that Um that I mean that's what I would do. Just okay. and then we just keep going like yeah. normal. Okay. Um I was just curious. So it'll be a surprise. Yeah, it'll be a surprise <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, we'll let you know either way for sure on yes. social media. So yep. uh just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah, good good idea. And I wanted to put it at the beginning because I know sometimes, like for me, I don't listen to the ends of a lot of a podcast. Oh my god, I so. have to otherwise it says like continue listening uh, okay. okay yeah so some people do some people don't so i thought i'd put it at the beginning yes good housekeeping okay um danielle's gonna tell us a story this week yes i am i don't know anything about it cause she told me a state and now she said she's not there so no uh i looked and i was like no and so i went to my list and i said yes okay so this is an i survived story which is always nice yeah and um I'm just going to get into it, I think. Okay. So, our story starts on December 4th, 1997, with a man named Homer Land, who was an inmate in a cross-country caravan. This caravan was picking up and transferring inmates from Kansas, Florida, and Minnesota. So, the caravan stopped at a Burger King in Owatonna, Minnesota, and two of the three guards, or... Three of the four guards, because my source is varied. One said two of three, and the other one said three of four. Um, went into the Burger King to buy lunch for themselves and for the inmates. Did someone stay back? Yeah. So, oh yeah, two of so three, two of three or three, or three, three of four. four. Yeah, yeah. So then the when the two or three. Guards left, Homer and two of the other inmates overpowered the third or fourth guard and took off. 
Homer already had quite the rap sheet. He had been charged with 18 felonies in Alabama, Kansas, and Florida. Some of his offenses included impersonating a police officer, assault, attempted kidnapping, and grand larceny. Do you know what constitutes as grand larceny? I know it's when you steal a car. So grand larceny does vary by state, but the general definition is that it's theft of personal property over a legally specified amount. So it's like usually the higher numbers. So yes, a car would fall under grand larceny. Uh, Homer had been released from prison in Florida earlier in the year, um, in 1997, and was on probation but had disappeared and was found in Kansas a few weeks prior to this incident after being caught driving drunk. So how the inmates overpowered the guard was the the guard that had stayed with the 11 inmates okay had opened the door of the van in the back to let the inmates smoke and so it didn't just like trap all of the smoke in the van he used that as ventilation so he was doing something nice yes and it was december in minnesota so the guard got cold as you do decided to leave the door open and go sit in the front of the van The inmates then opened a set of mesh doors between the front of the van and where they were, threw the guard out of the van, and almost ran him over when they took off from the Burger King. The van was found in a residential area about four blocks away, with eight of the inmates still in the van. So for those keeping track at home, only three of the inmates took off. Wow. I'm kind of shocked. Shocked, yeah. That's what I thought too. I was like, oh, wow, that's. But. If you think about it, if you're smart, you don't take off. Right. Right? Because if you take off, you're going to get more time. Chances are you're going to get caught and you'll get more time. Right. Or this is not, or you're going to end up not alive anymore. That too. So, uh, all right. So, three inmates took off. While the other two inmates were caught and quickly rearrested, uh, one of my sources said between 15 and 20 minutes. Yeah, see? What? Homer was not. So Homer got away. Instead, he would be on the run for 24 hours. Oh, I thought you were going to say years, and I was like, no. whoa. No, that would be crazy. He had found his first hiding place underneath the deck of Gordon and Betty Hofes's home. Uh, when police were canvassing the neighborhood looking for Homer... They actually talked with Gordon, who was home for his lunch break, and Gordon said, quote, he was there then, he heard every word I said to police, end quote. Homer, or sorry, um, Gordon had gone home to let their dog out during his lunch break. So Homer then tied up Gordon, he tied him to the kitchen table, and then they waited for Betty to get back from work. Betty worked at Viracon, which is a glass manufacturing plant that is still up and running in Owatonna. Uh, since this was kind of big news, you know, an inmate was escaped and the police were looking for him. Management had told people, um, like their workers, like, make sure that you check inside your cars, which is something I argue you should do anyways. Yeah. Um, and... Betty said that she had, and there were, quote, no bad guys inside, <laughs> which I thought was just adorable. Uh, when Betty got back 
Homer met her with a knife and a crescent wrench. He had the knife to her throat and the wrench over her head. According to one source, he never put the knife down the whole time he was with um, Betty and Gordon. Betty recalled that Homer told her he didn't want to hurt her and to do what she was told. She said that she instinctively knew something was wrong when she got home from work and saw Gordon was sitting in her chair at the dinner table, which I just thought was so fascinating because, like, we have our certain spots at our parents' house. Like, if mom was sitting in dad's chair, you're like, okay, well, clearly dad's not going to be home because why are you sitting there? That's dad's spot. Or if dad was sitting in mom's corner, that would be that would be so weird. Right? Yeah. Because, like, mom has her little corner and dad just never sits there, ever. So that would kind of, like, put your alarm bells up, like, what's going on? Yeah. Is something wrong? Uh, So, Homer then had Betty retie Gordon and demanded that she cook him dinner. Right. After dinner, Homer tied Betty up and made her and Gordon lay in their bed while he wandered the house, checking in on the couple occasionally throughout the night. The couple was also determined to keep Homer talking. Gordon said, quote, I got him to talk all night long. He was proud of the fact that he escaped, that he was wanted in Florida, wanted in Texas. He told us how he tried to, to lure two girls into a warehouse in Texas posing as a cop, end quote. So, okay, this guy's like, not, do we know what he was originally arrested for? Um, Yes, I do. It was... Because I know it was DUI was when he was. Why well, he, he got caught after probation. Yeah. So I don't know why he was originally, originally caught. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what kind of criminal was this guy? You so know what I mean? the reason that he was part of the reason he was going back now was because. Oh, actually, no, maybe this is why he was there in the first place. Um, impersonating police officer, assault, attempted kidnapping and grand larceny. Okay. So those were like his original charges and then yes. he got and then he was paroled and then he stopped checking in with his parole officer was caught driving cuz he was from Florida. He was caught driving drunk in Kansas. Kansas. Yep. And was now heading back to prison. I'm just um yeah, I was just like curious like is he like a violent criminal like who's going to possibly kill these people or is he more just like gonna hang out for a while and then just bolt you know what i mean yeah as of this point he had not killed anybody he had beaten a guy to almost death okay um but he had not killed anyone all right um and actually that was my next part of my next bullet was that he was apparently like really proud of how bad he was and like what his rap sheet looked like and how he had almost beat someone to death in florida he was also very proud of the fact that he had escaped police uh, okay, so Jordan, Jordan, Gordon changed out of his clothes and, or not, sorry, not Gordon, Homer, Homer changed out of his clothes and into some of Gordon's clothing. He also shaved his beard and in the morning, Homer demanded that Betty make him breakfast and when she made him bacon and eggs, he got annoyed and demanded grits. Do you know what grits are? Yeah. Okay, so... Not a Minnesotan thing. Not a though. Midwestern That's like a thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's not something we would have. Right. So, just in case our listeners don't know what grits are, when I Googled what are grits, it basically said that it's um, derived from corn or cornmeal and they're 
kind of ground to like an oatmeal looking paste situation. That's gross. And then they're seasoned up. Um, but neither of us have ever eaten them. And I've had them. Oh, you have? Yeah. Did, did you hate them? Yeah, they were disgusting. <laughs> what did you have them? I don't know. Sometime when I was in the South. Because you spend so much time in the South. I've been to Texas numerous That's times. That's true. That's fair. Whenever I, I see, I don't really think of Texas as the South, which oh. makes no sense. I just, Texas is like its own thing. Mm. Where, like, the South to me is like Georgia, oh, Mississippi, like that part yeah. of the country. I don't know why Texas doesn't seem to fall into that for me, but it just doesn't. Uh, so, like you said, unsurprisingly, Betty did not have grits because it's not really a thing here. Uh, at three in the morning. She might have had some spam, though. No, oh, she probably, <laughs> she, I can almost guarantee she had spam. <laughs> at three in the morning, Homer had told Betty and Gordon that he was going to be leaving. So, yay! He's leaving. But no, because they're going with him. Oh, well, that seems pointless. Just leave him. You would think. So Homer told the couple that he wanted to blend in with morning rush hour. So they ended up leaving at the house around 530 in the morning and headed towards the Twin Cities with Homer driving and Betty and Gordon in the back seat. The original plan that Homer had was to go into the cities, find a hotel, and hole up there with Betty and Gordon until he had more of a plan. But Gordon was concerned about there being a high-speed chase if Homer was spotted, so he convinced him not to go into the Twin Cities, but instead to go towards Red Wing. He also figured that if he could get Homer to drive them into Wisconsin, the FBI would get involved and start being a part of the search. Because it's state to state. Yeah, so it really had a good plan. Um, sorry, I lost my spot. Uh, so it worked. He was able to convince Homer not to go into the Twin Cities. And on their way, Homer decided to, uh, stop and pick up some cigarettes in Northfield, Northfield, Minnesota. While they had been driving, Gordon had been working on getting the duct tape that bound his hands off. Wait, so who was driving? Homer was driving. Okay. Gordon and Betty are in the back seat. Oh, okay. Hands are duct taped. That's more suspicious. Put one of them in the front seat. You would think. Uh, well, except for now. Maybe now with Ubers and stuff, you wouldn't even maybe, notice. But... but this was in 1997, so clearly that <laughs> wasn't a thing yet. So Gordon had been working on getting the duct tape that bound his hands off. And when Homer went inside to the gas station, Gordon took the opportunity opportunity to get the tape off of himself then freed betty and they ran in the opposite direction that homer had gone towards the highway where they stopped into their car both gordon and betty believed that homer planned to murder them somewhere along their drive and leave their bodies in a ditch but i wonder why there's no proof of it but like what else I mean, are you gonna do with two hostages i guess like my mind would obviously go to worst case scenario too but yeah so a few hours later, Homer was caught inside a bus terminal in Chicago. Wow, how so did he get to he, Chicago? I'm assuming he took the bus. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, Homer was sentenced to nine years in prison, but only served around five. At the court hearing was the next and last time that Betty and Gordon saw Homer. 
He was charged with nine counts of kidnapping, false imprisonment, theft, and burglary. I don't know why it was nine counts of kidnapping. Maybe because of how long it was. Maybe, well, oh, maybe it was the other inmates. Oh. I don't know. Hmm. Well, no, because there was eight other inmates. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know why. That's just what it said. Uh, Betty and Gordon also sought out counseling after their ordeal, but they said that, quote, the shock has never really gone away. And I'd be like, I hope they moved. They moved out of the house, but they did not move out of Owatonna. Yeah, I would move out of the house. Yeah, they were like, no matter what, it's going to trigger us, like, no matter what. But, like, yeah, we don't want to be in this house anymore, but we don't want to leave a community that we've lived in our entire lives. Right. So, uh, let's see. So, on... January 30th, 2010, Homer died during a car chase with Panama City, Florida police after a routine traffic stop that clearly was not routine routine because it started a police chase. Yeah. It is believed that he died when he was when the car he was fleeing from police in ran off the road, hit a utility pole, spun around, flipped over and ejected Homer. But later, an autopsy revealed that Homer had died by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, this did not seem to surprise either Betty or Gordon. Betty literally said that he was a coward. So, yeah. once she said, "Once a coward, always a coward." In one of the interviews that she did, that's and good. sorry, what I was gonna say that's just so it sound like wrong. I hope it's not taken the wrong way, but I would be like so relieved if I was them. Yeah, I I don't think they were. I just would always upset. be kind of like looking over my shoulder in a way. Yeah, in one of the interviews, one of them said something along the lines of, and this is not a direct quote because I'm not reading it, or it's just what I remember, that they don't want to celebrate the loss of life, but they mm-hmm. are relieved that he can't do this to anybody else. Yeah. So I think That's they're kind of in the it. same yeah same vein that you're in. Um, so unfortunately Gordon died on October 31st, 2016. As far as I could tell, Betty is still alive. Um, I did search for her obituary, but could not find one. So I'm hoping that means she's still alive and well. Um, Gordon was like 76 when he died. So actually pretty young still. Like that's not terribly, yeah, that's not terribly old. Yeah. Um, and that is my whole story. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah, I I kind of like doing the I survived ones because it's like, it just kind of shows that we can get through really shitty things and still be okay. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really surprised and proud of them for going to therapy. Yeah, back especially in the, back in the in the nineties. Yeah, yeah right. Definitely not as um common and or I guess accepted would be the right word. Right. As it is now, but right. So I am proud of them for doing that and like very smart. Right. Um, and it was so cute in his obituary. It said that he was survived by his first wife and then his second wife, um, Betty, who was his best friend. Aww. And it was I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So my sources were southernmn.com. Um, uh, so I actually have two articles from there. The first one was hostage ordeal stays with Otano couple 12 years later. And the other one was biography channel revisits couples 1997 kidnapping, which is the I survived episode. Oh, yeah. 
I did not watch the episode because I didn't know where to find it. And then I have TwinCities.com and APNews.com. Cool. Um, our sources. Socials. <laughs> socials. <laughs> Our MW Madness podcast on Instagram and Gmail and the Midwest Madness podcast group on Facebook. Yeah, I think that's everything I've got. Awesome. Everything you've got. Yep. Cool. Well, we got, we guys, <laughs> we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We might talk to you next week. We might not. It's a fun um, surprise for everybody. Yeah. But we, either way, we'll talk to you in two weeks. So we'll yep. see you later. Bye.